Hi, this is Mike Delp with the Relax Back UK show on UK Health Radio, your global real feel-good radio station. On the Relax Back UK show, we explore all kinds of health topics, so keep listening and enjoy the ride. Hello, and thank you for joining me, Mike Dork, on the Relax Back UK show. In previous shows, I've been lucky enough to have spoken to cancer research scientists from the City of London Major Centre, which brings scientists together from the Barts Cancer Institute at QMUL, University College London Cancer Centre, King's College Cancer Centre, and the Francis Crick Institute. So this really is getting the big brains all together onto the problem. One aspect being looked at at the moment is using the immune system that we have to fight off cancer. Now, the immune system uh, can be referred to as our soldier cells. Uh, and in the analogy of the army, you can imagine if you have a battalion that is, um, you, you can have a, a ninja type battalion very quietly and destroys your enemy, right? And you can have a nuclear driven battalion that, that really makes some big, big destruction. Um, you have different ways of trying to control each one of those because what you want usually, you want the ninjas, right? You want you want not to even feel the viral infecting you. Professor Sergio Quetzada of UCL explains more about the immune system, but then tells us how it can be used to fight cancer. So people have been mobilizing or trying to, to move the immune system against cancer for, for decades. And, and I would say that the first... Um, uh, demonstrations that the immune system could be mobilized against cancer come from uh, early 1900s. So this apparently is kind of a, an old idea, but in recent decades, real progress has been made. Professor Quetzada is joined by Dr. Maria Villa and patient Dave Chatter to talk about the technique now, how it's working now, and where it might lead to in the future. So please do stay with me for a fabulously interesting show. Thank you. that makes you feel good. Apples and pears, beef and skittles, cider with Rosie, common or garden, ant and deck, fish and chips, mum and dad. UK Health Radio and Health Triangle magazine. Each is good by itself, but enjoying both is always better. Add Health Triangle magazine to your monthly health regime. Check it out at ukhealthradio.com. A cancer diagnosis can be scary and stressful for everyone involved. Hello Love is a contemporary living space and well-being center in central London where anyone can come and learn about illness prevention and non-toxic practice. Inside, you will find a vegan restaurant, juice bar, and holistic dojo that encourage lifestyle changes to help heal mind, body, and spirit connection. Cancer patients are offered free sessions. To find out more, please visit us at hellolove.org. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. The last two to three years have seen lots of people talking about the immune system, uh, particularly in relation to COVID. And I have to say, a lot of the talk has really worried me. In fact, I just Googled 
boost your immune system naturally. And I got 21 million hits. And I think a lot of these, well, well all of them really, are selling supplements. And it really does seem to be preying on people's concerns, um, started off with COVID, but concerns about being unwell, uh, to make some cash, to make some money. Um, and I've got to say that it really does upset me a little bit. I've, I've spoken to experts on the show about what you can do to help your immune system help you. And generally, they say you have to do everything in moderation. You've got to exercise a little bit, make sure you get enough sleep and uh, try and make sure you have a balanced diet. Essentially, just live a as healthy and balanced lifestyle as you can. Anyway, all that to one side, let's bring on the guests to talk about how the uh, immune system can be used to uh, help fight cancer. Now, I usually ask the sort of the difficult and unfair questions, if there are any, at the end of the chat with guests. But in this particular case, I kind of started with them, really. I usually wait for the end of the chat for the unfair question, but I'm going to I'm going to ask like the unfair questions at, at the start because we've heard an awful lot about the immune system recently due due to COVID, you know, and ev everyone now has heard the immune system heard of the immune system a lot recently. But I was wondering if to start off with, you can just summarise if that's possible, because I know it's quite or very complicated and um, kind of what it is and, and, and what it does. Is that even possible, Sergio? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, but but you mean, sorry, just to be clear on, on, on the answer to be given, um, what what is the immune system in the context of cancer or can... can... Well, both really. You, you, you can start, start, start off with in, in the context of human beings, but then narrow down to cancer as well. Yeah, that would work very well, Sergio. Yeah. So, all right. So, in terms of summary, the immune—what is the immune system? It's—it's it's a little army, or actually, I would say a large army with many battalions. Um, each battalion has a different function, but as a as an army, the whole and and only goal of that army um, is to protect you against insult. Uh, and insult, the primary insult is viruses. Uh, so the system has uh, the immune system has evolved uh, to really protect you. Um, against um, infectious diseases, primarily. Um, and also, I think, which is very important in the context of COVID, right? Uh, and in the analogy of the army, you can imagine if you have a battalion that is, um, you, you can have a, a ninja type battalion that's very quietly and destroys your enemy, right? And you can have a nuclear driven battalion that, that really makes some big, big destruction. Um, you have different ways of trying to control each one of those because what you want usually, you want the ninjas, right? You want you want not to even feel the viral infecting you. You want yeah. viral comes in, ninja battalion goes in, destruction, full silent. You carry on with your life. Sometimes uh, the, the the nuclear battalion gets triggered, and you get um, diseases associated which are related to immune. Uh, inflammation and tissue destruction uh, that can lead to, to death. And, and that's basically um, what you see in, in the severe cases of COVID. So that's kind okay, of in a nutshell how, how, how I would say, what is the immune system and how it acts? And within each one of those battalions, there are different cellular subsets and we can get more complicated there, but each one of them has a function and a role. And, and each okay. one of them can go either very lazy <laughs> or can go out of control. 
I, like, I do like the idea of having the ninjas on my side, secretly destroying whatever's, whatever's bad. So that's kind of, in, in general, and, so, and the idea of using the immune system to uh, attack cancers, that might be a bit of a, a surprise uh, to listeners. Is that, is that a relatively new thing? Um, well, if 150 years is relatively new, yes. So people have been mobilizing or trying to, to move the immune system against cancer for, for decades. And, and I would say that the first um, uh, demonstrations that the immune system could be mobilized against cancer come from uh, early 1900s. So, so it's, it's not new in concept. Uh, it's, uh, the success is new due to the newer developments, uh, which are still quite old, right? So the success, today's success of immunotherapy uh, comes from a large clinical trial that, that is a test on patients that was uh, revealed in 2011. But the drug used on those trials that took a couple of years to be done and completed uh, was uh, invented in the mid-90s, right? So it takes okay. decades to go from concept to clinic to then uh, commercialization, meaning getting this drug to thousands and thousands of patients. Sure. So actually, Sergio, I must admit, I did a, a, a little bit of uh, research on you before our, our chat. And you come from a, a, a very eminent background and you actually work with someone who's won a Nobel Prize for this, this kind of work. Is, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. I was lucky enough to work with Jim Allison. And so and, and was, well, uh, was that a while ago? Does that show how long this kind of this stuff can take? You look, you look like a young man to me, Sergio. It can't have been that long ago. Um. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, no, it was was I worked with Jim and I started working with Jim in two thousand and four. So, yeah, um, two decades ago, if I count it right, yeah, almost two decades ago. So a long time ago. We so Jim is the guy that in the mid eighties, no mid nineties, he proposed an hypothesis, and that's why he got the Nobel Prize primarily. He thought that, as I was describing, right, you have you have this um, these different battalions trying to attack different insults that you might get. Uh, what he proposed is that there were specific signals or rules or cues that you can give to the battalion to shut it down, and he called right. those checkpoints, right? So you can put a checkpoint in front of your battalion and say, "Do not attack." And those checkpoints are there because, as I was saying, right. Uh, the immune system can be very dangerous. You can overactivate and then you can get tissue destruction. So those checkpoints, which are proteins on the surface of cells, are there and they're multiple. They are there to really avoid self-destruction, self-injury. So his hypothesis, it, it was he was working on a specific checkpoint named um, CTLA-4. And his specific hypothesis was that if we were to develop drugs, that will block or alterate the function of that checkpoint. So a checkpoint blocker, he could unleash the immune response against tumors. Okay. And that, right. that led to a series of experiments in animal models and then experiments in clinical trials in human, well, development of a human drug and then the clinical trial. And then that was the first um, immune checkpoint blocker described. And that was one of the first drugs, immunotherapy drugs, that demonstrated uh, tremendous efficacy against skin cancer. And after that one, many came, right? So, so right. I think in a period of five to 10 years after all, all the works of CTLA-4, the discovery, the understanding, the clinical trials, 
came another drug called PD-1, which is another checkpoint uh, inhibitor. And that drug now combined with anti-CTLA-4, uh, they really uh, promote very, very durable responses in a large fraction of patients with skin cancer. So skin cancer okay. is one of the, the diseases that um, was barely responding to chemotherapy, so the classical agents, by um, if, if you were unlucky enough to be um, diagnosed with uh, late stage metastatic uh, skin cancer, your chances of being alive two years after diagnosis were less than 10%. Um, and now today, um, more than half of the patients with skin cancer are long-term survivors. Uh, okay. So, so this this technology is is being used in patients, and, and it's working. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely, me... it works. It works. And what's beautiful about it, right, is that you're not treating the cancer; you're treating your immune system. So, so the concept, and if you take take back to Jim's concept, look, there are checkpoints, and you should be blocking those checkpoints because then you can activate the immune response. That should apply to every cancer, but obviously, it would apply differently. But, but the fact that the first trials started to work. It opens Pandora's box now of research in this field. So it doesn't mean that these particular drugs will work for every single cancer, but what it means is that now there is a lot of interest on understanding how is the immune system regulated, right? What shuts down immune response? What shuts down the function of my battalions against lung cancer, brain cancer, et cetera? Oh. And each battalion will be regulated in a different manner, right? So, so that's, that's immunotherapy. Immunotherapy is not a single so, drug, it's a concept. Yeah. Sergio, let, let, me, let me bring it in Maria. So Maria, you work with Sergio. Yes, and so, for um, too long now. For too long, oh, don't say that. <laughs> we have fun. What, 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 what I'm, I'm sitting here thinking as, as a non-scientist, so you, you, you're saying that this kind of approach works better with some cancers and not others. So do the cancers that it works with, you know, what do they have in common or, or this is, Again, this might be another impossible question, but well, why does yeah. it work with some cancers, not others? That's that's a very difficult question. But I think one of the main things is following on Sergio's kind of army thing is that the troops have to be there in the first place. So you have some tumors where you just don't have the immune cells or enough immune cells in them. So trying to activate them isn't going to do much. You're not going to if you don't have the troops, you're not able to form an attack. So that's one of the things that people look into. And now there's kind of lots of studies going on about how you can get the immune system um, to infiltrate the tumor. And then once they're there, then you can activate them with all the drugs that Sergio was talking about. But that's one of the main things that I think people talk about nowadays. Sergio, you might be more up to date with the, you know, literature than I am. But, no, um, that, that's absolutely correct. You need, you need the troops in there. If they're not in there, it's really, it doesn't matter that you release the brakes on the troop, right? Now, that's for the current drugs. There are other drugs that can make your troops go in, right? And they are being investigated. And there are other therapies, immunotherapies, that um, actually make the troops outside the patient and then give them to the patient. So yeah. if you don't have enough troops, I'm going to make a stake of troops, give it to the patient, and then they should be doing the job. So you see, that's why I um, usually I know that it's very important that people understand what immunotherapies are in general. But immunotherapy is not one drug. It's a whole myriad of approaches because they will target different stages of the functionality of the different troops, where they are, the tumor, et cetera. Let, let's just pick up on something you mentioned there, because uh, 
Yeah, I, I, again, I try to do a little bit of a reading around uh, what you do. And I hit upon this idea of training the troops. You remove the troops from the body and you train them uh, or you get them ready to go back and fight the tumour. So can, can you put some meat on the bones of that kind of description? If you if you take out something from the body, uh, the, you know, the, the uh, immune cells, what, what do you do to them to make them more ready, better to fight the tumour when they go back in? If, if you think about it in the simplest way, right? So you might have a tumour, you might have a troop that has been fighting the tumour and actually that's what keeping the tumour under pseudo control. Uh, so slow progressing tumour most likely because you have lots of those cells or a few of those cells inside the tumor, but they're obviously not doing enough of a job to destroy uh, that, that insult, right? So then uh, one of the therapies, and that's one of the therapies that, that, that I work on my other hand, uh, with my other hand, we set up a, a biotech company that works on this, is that you take the tumor of a patient and then you remove the troops. Let's say you have a few, they're tired, they're exhausted, there are very few of them, but they're still trying to put a battle. They definitely know what tumor looks like. You take them out and you feed them, right? You nurture them. You give them growth factors and cytokines and funny immunological-based names. Basically, you're feeding them, making them stronger and increasing their numbers. So now you go you take from- them out from blood. They're in people's blood. So, so usually we take them from the tumor because that's where, that's where it's easy to find them, right? They're going to okay. be where the battle is. Now, you can find them in transit. Right? Of course, they're going to be circulating from one tumor to another. So you can find them in transit, i.e. in the blood, but it's harder, right? You can, but it's harder. So the low-hanging fruit is to get them from the where the battle is, and then you grow them a large numbers. But people are trying also to get them from blood. And I think eventually we will see that, that functioning. But that's the idea. Okay. You just grow them to large numbers. You win by numbers if we, if we can simplify things, right? So And then you grow them to large numbers, and then you infuse them back into the patient uh, and, and hope that they go into the tumor and now they really hammer it uh, without mercy. Yeah. And so the is, is this method oh. being used with patients now? I'm sorry? Is, is this particular method where you, you take the uh, immune cells out of the body, feed them up, train them up and put them back in, is that being used now? For yes, so, so that going back to timeline. So uh, the first clinical trial was in the mid eighties um, and it was an academic trial and there are many companies now that are trying to build up the equivalent data set so they can go um, and, and give this therapy, commercialize this therapy and give it to thousands of patients. The problem is that these therapies are not as simple as making an antibody, right? It's a personalized therapy. You need to grow immune cells out of the body of a patient. But, but that's right. engineering, right? That's why we have engineering. So that problem will be fixed. The concept is okay. that, yes, you can grow large numbers of cells. You can infuse them back and they do work. So this no, is this is in, in the this sorry this, yeah, this no, is sorry, in the was, area of oh, very I was just personal say medicine. That, yeah, yeah. So go, the, go ahead, Maria. Go sorry, ahead. sorry. I was going to say it's just and the cool thing about that is that if you take the you know, these you know cells out of the individual patient, it goes back into the same patient, and you, they already know what cancer you're responding to. There, it's that personalized medicine thing is so cool. It's got so many potentials. It removes a lot of those issues that you have, say, with chemotherapy, where you're very destructive because it's targeted. It's that same individual. Um, there's a there's a lot of potential. It's really cool stuff that people are doing. I think. It, it, it sounds it. So at, at this point, yeah, Dave, you've been uh, very quiet. You haven't been able to get a word in edgeways. So I haven't yet, no. Um, one of the things is with 
immunotherapy and the age of a person, the fitness of a person, the health of a person, how does that affect the immunotherapy system working? Can it be different since, can there be a big difference between somebody in their 20s, 30s compared to somebody in their 70s, 80s? Absolutely, Dave, that's that's a tremendous question. So in in general terms, right, your immune system ages with, with, our immune system ages with us, right? As we age, the immune system ages and and it gets weakened. Um, That's why quality of life is very important because as you remain healthy and um, and active, your immune system does actually remain healthy and active. So that's very important. Now that's for your underlying immune system. When it comes to delivering immunotherapies, that's also very important. Um, for example, treating patients with lung cancer, which are usually heavy smokers, um, later ages, uh, quite frail, is difficult because the, the immunotherapy, again, remember, right? So you're releasing the brakes on your army, uh, yep. you will get side effects. So the weaker you are, the frailer you are, uh, the, the more side effects you will get. So age does have an impact. And, and, and as you said, fitness of the patient has a significant impact in the steady state ability of your immune system to control um, insult, but also on your ability to be treated with immunotherapies and with chemotherapies as well. Yep. So, and also everybody is different. So it's going to be personalized. When you take out and then put back in, it's kind of personalized to that person, isn't it? There's not a, there's not one immunotherapy fits all. So today, today, um, the the immunotherapies that are these um, checkpoint blockers, they can they are not personalized. They, they can they are basically uh, yeah. let's call it generic um, activators. Uh, that doesn't mean that it's going to work in every cancer because it will depend what activator you're using. On the cellular therapy side, which is take the cells out and grow them to a large number and then transfer in, the vast majority the vast majority of them are personalized. But there is a huge effort huge effort in trying to make them um, global. And, and, yeah. and again, it's, it's a matter of, of time and technology. So I, I think we will get there. But today, the vast majority of them are personal. That's good news if we can get there. Yeah, yeah. We will, I'm sure we will get there. You know, the field is moving at such a large speed and, and we are getting more and more interaction between different fields, especially engineering, genetic modification. Those are really significantly impacting stem cell work significantly impact the development of this um, non-personalized therapeutics. Sergio, let, let me ask a question. It kind of follows on a little bit from, from Dave's. If, if, you, if you take out your immune cells and you, you train them up, make them a little bit more vigorous, put them back, um, you alluded to a problem. You know, if, if, you're, if your immune system gets too active, that, you know, that can cause real problems as well. So can you, is there a problem you might make these immune cells too aggressive? and too efficient and kind of shut down other things that you, you know, is, is that a concern? And do you have to think about not doing that? Um, yes, um, I think that, that is always a concern uh, from, um, from, from, from the bench side to the bed side. Um, we always consider that as, as a very important um, feature of your therapy. So what you want is for your immunotherapy to be as specific as possible to the tumor to avoid these side effects. And I would say that um, if you if you think about the checkpoint inhibitors, right? So this first class, the ones that just release the brakes on your army, mm-hmm. uh, they are not very specific because it's releasing on all the army. 
the cellular therapies can be very specific. So you can uh, train or select the T cells or the battalion that is absolutely specific for your tumor. So you can do that, right? Uh, it's not easy, but that you can do that. And that's where these cellular therapies, that's the direction of travel of these cell therapies uh, in general. They want to identify the best target on a tumor cell that is only and solely on the tumor cell and actually not in one tumor cell, but in every single tumor cell in your body because your tumor cells will change with them. So okay. it is doable. It is a concern and it's addressable. Yeah, no, fantastic. Very, very interesting. Now, earlier on in, in, in our chat, uh, you mentioned a, a company that you've made, okay, Achilles. Um, now, what, what does that do? And a, and a follow-up question, really. Does uh, companies like this, do they speed up of actually the, the process of getting treatment to patients? Because, that you know, that's the big objective here. Let me start from, from the back. So, and this is my opinion, impact is not only about the speed of getting a drug into a patient, it's about the number of patients that you can treat with a drug, right? Th that's what I think. So you, you could be, if, if you think about this, um, in academia, which is absolutely essential, we can perhaps rapidly get to treat 10 patients with a new therapy. And that is really exciting. And, and full disclaimer, right? I'm a mouse doctor like Maria. We're not real doctors, we're scientists. We're, <laughs> we don't treat patients. So the only impact that we can make is through our basic science. So basic science could become a clinical trial academically led and have an impact in, in a number, even, even in a hundred or more patients. But for that, for that data, let's say that that data is phenomenal, for that therapy to then reach, let's say lung cancer, 144,000 deaths between the US and Europe per year, 144,000, that you cannot do that academically. So that's where pharma and biotech become essential, right? To, to massify the drug. So that, that is the balance. And, and more and more, I think we need to try to find those two inter integrated and collaborating because then you can benefit from the speed that you can get in academia, right? The ability to pivot, to, to improve, to change, and yep. then the global nature that pharma has. Uh, and I think that's that's where the field is is trying to go. No, okay, no, that's a good question. That that makes that makes perfect sense. Mm. So, last last question uh, for you, for you, Dave, or another question for you, Dave. Um, yep. You you were a patient. Did you have this kind of treatment? Did, did did you have no? What sort of treatment did you have? I had chemotherapy and then surgery. Um, it was a okay. soft a soft cancer. The only the only cure is, is the only cure is the surgery. Anything else is, is goes into palliative care at the moment. Immunotherapy is starting to starting to show in this in this cancer, but it's still not something which is is shown to make a huge difference at the moment. Right, but in the future, possibly, and this is a general question as as well. If if immunotherapy might even do away with the need for big operations to remove tumors because you know having a big operation if you're you know elderly unwell anyway or you're suffering from chemotherapy having an operation is a big deal so is it is it possible that in the in the future and this is a question to all of you really that this, this kind of approach will mean that there'll be much fewer operations i i personally i think it will but it's still down to uh, the getting diagnosed early enough to be able to take use that treatment before surgery or anything else. It's catching yeah. it early. It's still awareness, public awareness. It's a big, big issue. 
I, I can see view. the academics are nodding their heads in agreement yeah. there. <laughs> uh, Dave, Dave touches a very important point. So I think catching it or intercepting it earlier, yes. preventing it, not ever getting it, right? So quality of life, uh, that's the best prevention. Now, I wouldn't, um, definitely, I think that that's, that's the direction of trouble and there is more and more interest uh, in, by scientists and by funding agencies to support work in early intervention, early disease, early detection. Um, big efforts by big teams, by um, new teams. So I think it's a very important area. Now, on the just one one little one on the surgery side, um, which is a great example, the best cure for skin cancer or melanoma is surgery. Yeah. If you pick it up early, right? So that's cheaper, it's faster, it, and and if done properly, you you basically remove a mold that is melanoma, but you catch right on time. Um, you run scans to make sure that it's not disseminated in your body and then you're cured so so we shouldn't disregard those but yeah. uh yeah the problem is that that's an easy tumor to catch the esophageal much harder right so the symptoms come later uh pancreatic cancer you only get symptoms when it's very 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 late uh and in those cases uh you ask yourself well you will have to have a very powerful immunotherapy to debulk the amount of tumor and sometimes they can do that or you work on combination. So combination of chemotherapy and immunotherapy has demonstrated effective in some cancers. People are investigating radiotherapy and immunotherapy combinations. So that, there are multiple ways of getting there. Okay. Sergio, here's a mad question. And for Maria as well, really, both of you. You, you talk about training up the immune system. How about we train it up before problems arrive? Get a vaccine for different sort of cancers with this sort of method. I mean, is that is that like just a bonkers idea, or is that you know? I can see you're both smiling, going, "Oh, here, here the crazy guy goes again." But uh, is is that at all possible? It's something that people have been trying to do for a long time, is my understanding. I, I I've think never it's had a, a novel thought yet, so there's no reason why I should start now. <laughs> it's I think it's something people have tried and want to get to work, but. My understanding is that it's limited by the nature of what cancer is, right? Cancer is a big umbrella term for so many different diseases that having a vaccine for a virus, I mean, and we've all seen this with COVID, we hear of new variants, viruses evolve quite quickly, but each cancer evolves differently and faster. So yes, you want to have a vaccine, like ideally that'd be amazing, right? Get a vaccine, you're protected, but the practical side of it to my knowledge has never really come about like people have struggled to do it but it's an idea that people have been working with for a very long time i think okay all right well as i said i've not had another thought yet so there's no really no 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 it's not, it's not it's not no no those are very good questions just just to add on quickly onto what maria say uh which is very true you need to know the nature of cancer in order to predict right what your vaccine is going to be doing or what your vaccine needs to attack now that has happened, right? The most amazing example is HPV vaccines. HPV vaccines are for cancers that are driven yes, by right. a viral infection. And, and my children have recently had that, yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. So HPV vaccines are an example of what you're asking and, and they work. So as long as we start learning what do the different type of cancers have in common when they arise, you could actually train your immune system against it. So an HPV aren't the best example. Okay. All right. So I, I think you, you, sorry, you were, did I interrupt you there, Maria? No, no, I was saying I hadn't thought of that. Then that's why he's the boss. 
for now. <laughs> for now, exactly. <laughs> so, that, guys, this has been absolutely uh, fascinating, I have to say, and it's opened my eyes to something which I, I, I knew nothing about, and I'm sure, likewise, to the people listening. Um, but if listeners have heard this and think, you know, this is absolutely fascinating, and I would like to find out a little bit more, where can you point people, both, both in terms of uh, the scientific literature, but also um, anywhere <clears throat> for non-scientists? Because, well, I mean, I've, I've tried to read some scientific papers, and you know, frankly, I find them quite hard going. Um, and I think most people would, unless it's in their, their world. So um, both, where can people go for more info with scientific papers, but also information for non-scientists uh, as well? Any, any advice there? With all scientific papers, there should be a, a plain English summary, a lay summary, somewhere in that mix of papers, which should give you an idea of the, the basics. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. You, you, you mean more than just the abstract at the start? It's not, yes, there should be a plain English summary abstract in there somewhere. Or okay. if it, there is on any, any panel I sit on for funding, I make sure it's there. Otherwise, it doesn't get past me. Okay. So I have so a couple of suggestions. So uh, there is a phenomenal book by Philip Detmer uh, called Immune. Um, I have it for my children. Um, and they love it. Um, it's a really cool book. It's simple, I would say. Um, and is tells it bedtime the... reading in your house, Sergio? Huh? Is it <laughs> bedtime reading in your house? It's mandatory. So every new baby has to read it. It takes them a while, though. <laughs> um, no, so that's a it was a recommendation from, and it was actually a recommendation for a friend that is non-scientist. He said, "Have you read this book?" I was like, "No." Uh, my daughter reads it and she loves it. Uh, he said, and then I brought it to the kids and they loved it as well. So that's a really good one. And you know, um, YouTube has so many people doing an amazing job trying to simplify uh, the immune system um, in terms of teaching it. Absolutely worth uh, keywords: cancer, cancer immunology, immune system on YouTube, and you will find amazing videos. I'm not; I don't follow any specific person, but um, but they're very good. I can I can be selfish and point out to our own website, the website from the laboratory. Um, if you if you put immune regulation UCL Cancer Institute or Quesada Lab Cancer Institute, uh, you'll see pictures of my lab, including Maria. But you will see a few videos at the bottom that are from YouTube videos that we have made in, collab in different collaborations that explain some of our discoveries that might be more tricky, but there is a very good one uh, that was um, a link to a phenomenal video done by um, the team at Nature, uh, at Nature Journals. Um, and it explains how these immune checkpoints work. And it's, it's literally, my kids love that. It. It's literally for kids uh, and it's very, very clear. Uh, very short, and it tells a little bit of the story of immunotherapy. Okay, that sounds like excellent advice, exactly the sort of thing I, I was looking for, Sergio. So thank you. So, look to, to all of you, to, to Dave, Sergio, and Maria, thank you very much indeed. I think that was fabulously interesting, and I think will uh, you know, help a lot of people. So uh, many thanks, and uh, good luck with the research in the future. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Really appreciate the, the opportunity. Thank you. The station that makes you feel good. A cancer diagnosis can be scary and stressful for everyone involved. 
Hello Love is a contemporary living space and well-being center in central London where anyone can come and learn about illness prevention and non-toxic practice. Inside, you will find a vegan restaurant, juice bar, and holistic dojo that encourage lifestyle changes to help heal mind, body, and spirit connection. Cancer patients are offered free sessions. To find out more, please visit us at hellolove.org. A for horses, B for mutton, Seymour Cheeks, Dig for Victory, E UK Health Radio and Health Triangle Magazine. Each is good by itself, but enjoying both is always better. Add Health Triangle Magazine to your monthly health regime. Check it out at UKHealthRadio.com. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. Thank you so much to my guests on this week's show, and they were cancer scientist Professor Sergio Quetzada and Dr. Maria Villa and cancer patient Dave Chutter. And of course, thank you to you for listening. That was the Relax Back UK show with me, Mike Dill. Thank you for listening, and please do join us again next time.